0: Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of The Comics Comic, found wherever you can type The Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Jason Sines is a comedian who grew up in Virginia, began performing improv in D.C., and became a fixture in New York City's comedy scene, where he wrote for a house sketch team at the Upright Citizens Brigade, performed stand-up, and went viral for his Signed Signs, which eventually got him new faces at Montreal's Just for Laughs Festival, and a ticket to Los Angeles to work on the MTV show Ridiculousness. But that was just the tip of the ridiculous iceberg for Signs, who got a job handling the personal social media accounts for Steve Harvey, Og, Woman, fell in love and then fell through a skylight on the roof of his apartment building leaving him a paraplegic as they used to say in the intro to mtv's the real world true story and true to his story jason is now ready to talk about all of it both on stage where his new show the real world enjoyed two sold-out performances at the lyric hyperion in january 2024 and right here on my podcast there's a lot to get to so let's get to it So, Jason science. last things first. Obviously, it's so wonderful to see you in your great new show, The Wheel World. But my first question to you is, were your first words in the hospital after your accident, you're killing me?
1: You know, they should have been. If I was business savvy enough and <laughs> conscious enough, I would have plugged it to my Comedy Central web series, You're Killing <laughs> Me, which is now on the app and at ComedyCentral.com. But no, I, I think I was... I, I think the first thing I said when I woke up was, um, where am I? Who are you? I think I asked my mom who she was. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brain was pretty scrambled after uh, being in the ICU for about 30 days. But damn, next time, Sean.
0: <laughs> what, what hospital did you shoot your web series in? Or was um, it it, a it wasn't or a real was hospital, dude. It was yeah. not a real hospital. Uh, was, I, 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 I was being generous.
1: It was a hospital slash uh, police station was on the other side of this set. <laughs> that's that's it was, convenient. It was down in Orange County, right next to a casino. So yeah, Comedy Central, you know, threw enough money to rent a legit, uh, you know, set, and um, we shot two seasons there. Me and uh, my friend Nick Turner, and there's there's plenty of other comedians in it that we love and that you've seen everywhere, but. That's old hat, right? You came out and you came out and saw me uh, recently.
0: You're just starting to develop your your new show, The Wheel World, and I want to be careful. I don't want to. I don't want to ask you any questions or force you to say anything that spoils major plot points because I want I want people to experience the show on their own. But I guess my first question would be, you know that formula if co- comedy is uh, tragedy plus time. Does that mean that that the time for you is five years? That that's the time it takes for you to be able to process this and, and turn it into something that's so joke heavy and so, so emotionally powerful and yet charming.
1: Oh. Thank you, Sean. Five years? I mean, that's what took me five years. It, it took me five years to do this show, and I don't think I could have done it sooner. I really it's really a testament of the um of the life I have now with my wife, uh, Aaron, who's a part of the show and she's in her third trimester. Um, spoiler. That is a spoiler alert. <laughs> but as I wrote her in the show, you know, like as we got closer and closer to the premiere, she was mm-hmm. like, I don't think I can do all of these things <laughs> because I am so out of breath. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, we, you know, we adjusted, but, um, I think it is a testament to the life I have with her, the support I've had with her and the ability to laugh with her. And so w- her and I were obviously, we obviously cried a lot and you can only imagine how difficult it's been, but we've also laughed together about it. And that's been the saving grace. And I think what's led me to be able to write this show. Now I, I used to get upset when um i pissed my pants and that's another spoiler alert listeners if you come see my show i'll tell you how and why i pissed my pants
0: but i, I wish i, I could you tell know, you that gets better with age but it does not
1: <laughs> yeah i know well i'm getting a a head start i guess but you know i pissed the bed one night and i got really upset and really embarrassed and aaron was like hey we're not going to cry over piss and we're not going to cry over spilled milk. This is just a part of our lives now. We have other sheets. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass to change everything, but we're not going to cry over this. And she was supportive yet tough with me, and that allowed me to feel more human about it and feel okay with my feelings about it and um, continue to want to express my feelings about it because – um it's all right. It just depends on how I I use those feelings. And I think that's what I'm trying to explain somehow in my show is that there are a lot of challenges, but there are a lot of things to uh, have hope about. And Michael J. J. Fox said that recently in an interview that with gratitude, hope is sustainable. Mm. And I'm very gracious for my family, very gracious for all my friends. I mean, my friend, Lauren Adams and Rob Makel Hugel, both my old uh, writing comedy buddies from New York City and UCB. They helped me craft this show in ways that I trusted them to do it because they knew me and they knew me before I was paralyzed. And they had a really good, um, you know, perspective on it. So to answer your question, yeah, it's. It, I, I, I at least 5 years. I think what sped me up on on getting the first version out there was that my wife is giving birth in a few months. <laughs> so I ha- I had to do it now before who knows when.
0: Well, I was telling her that after she gives birth it actually makes it a little bit easier because then there's not that mid-show reveal where she comes out and is already is already showing the audience the the end of the show
1: there i mean the the show's not going to be the same moving forward right um in 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 the sense of what erin's portion is Mm -hmm. but um she's still going to be a part of it and our kid might be a part of it uh i'm just really happy that i got two really really good tapes of it from two smash smash mouth audiences on both Fridays that sold out that were really enthusiastic and really supportive. Um, I know I have something to show people and to craft and continue with, but um, for now that version is done because we're going to have a kid in a couple months.
0: Right. And that's a whole, that's a whole extra challenge on top of the challenges you already have. You mentioned Lauren and Rob, Uh, you know, they're two of your buddies from the, the old UCB staple Onassis. Uh, the Friars right. Club award winning <laughs> Sketch Mod House hey. Team Sketch Group on Assis, which good was good research. Which was, uh, I lived it. I didn't have to, <laughs> I lived it. I didn't have That to was good it.
1: times. That was uh, maybe the three or four years the Friars Club did that competition mm-hmm. uh, because they, they did have a nice uh, prize with it. Um, but yeah, that fizzled out. But that was a fun night at the Friars Club. And I've known these two people for years. We've been making making stuff together for years, and I knew they were the right people to help me.
0: Yeah, the Friars Club has an elevator. The old UCB in New York, famously not ADA compliant. <laughs> That's true.
1: <laughs> a bunch of stairs, a bunch of dangerous steps that drunk people have fallen down, who are who are able-bodied, walking human beings.
0: Yeah. Um. So, t- but take me back to to arriving in New York in the UCB because you're originally from, uh, DC by way of Bolivia, right?
1: (laughs) I mean, I guess by way of Bolivia that my father was born in Bolivia, but I was born in Alexandria, Virginia. Okay. So I don't know if you'd say by way, Bolivia. I mean, we're all (laughs) by by way, by the way, by the way, Bolivia, my father is Bolivian, by the way, mother Africa from where we all come from. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I, that's where I started doing comedy was in was in uh was in the DC area. That's where I grew up. My mother's white, my dad's Bolivian. Uh, my dad's a performer. He plays guitar and he he you know he likes to be in an old man band. It's a middle-aged band. Now it's an old man band. But growing up he was in a middle-aged dad band. So he loved to get on stage and he'd get me up there and my birthdays would have performances and stuff and puppet shows and you know, throw a sponge at dad. He's been bad. I remember that he like cut out a circle and a piece of plywood and painted it. And then all my friends got wet sponges and we threw it at my dad who was bad. (laughs) So like this performance energy has been part of my life since childhood. Mm -hmm. And so I, after college, I started, well, no, in in theater in, in high school, I started in high school doing theater. That's right. you know, I fell in love with performing in high school. And then uh, during college, I got away from it, but started doing improv and then uh, did performing improv with Washington Improv Theater, WIT of D.C. Still are good friends with people from there and then moved to New York and did the UCB stand-up thing. And
0: Were you doing improv in, in D.C. with Rory Scoville and people like that or?
1: Yeah. If you want me to, to name drop, I'll give you the, 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 I mean, DC has an incredible, incredible alumni list. We have Royce Scoville, We have Seaton Smith. Mm-hmm. We have a Parna mm-hmm. we have um, Natasha Rothwell. Uh, those are just the ones I think from, from what I came up people know and are doing really well. And um, Nick Turner was there for a while. Uh Andy Haynes was there. And so uh what a great what a great time that was. I started doing a little stand up at that time too, but really didn't jump full full dick and balls into it until I moved to New York City.
0: When you moved to New York, was it a given that you were gonna go to the UCB or did you test out different parts of the scene?
1: No. I think I knew I wanted to do UCB just from being part of wit in DC. I had, I had a uh, kind of a, a knowledge of the other scenes like Chicago and second city and, you know, the improv Olympic, you know, there's different theaters around the country, Chicago being a big place for it too. And so I was like, okay, I want to go to UCB. I've already kind of, met a few of the people and from UCB just by doing festivals and some of my friends from WIT were already doing it. So I was like, of course, of course I'll do it. It seemed like to be the hip thing at the time. And it was, it was, it was amazing. I remember that first DCM when I was at New York city, mm-hmm. the,
0: the, Del day, Close marathon. Improv,
1: yeah. the Del Close marathon, crazy. I was like, Holy shit. I'm here in the city. <laughs> in the big city, just like going to comedy show after comedy show after comedy show. After comedy show. And that's where I met Rob and Lauren. We were on Onassis and we, we wrote a lot of fun sketches and performed them for a couple, for several years and then continued working together. And then um, I knew I always wanted to move to Los Angeles. In fact, when I was leaving from home, I decided I wanted to move to Los Angeles. I knew I wanted to do comedy. It was either mm-hmm. LA or New York, baby. You know that we're still talking about it. <laughs> and I decided on L.A. and I was going to drive my dad's uh, Honda Accord out there. OK, but as I'm going back and forth from my apartment in the house to bring stuff to, to get, you know, to, to leave for my parents house, um, I get two flat tires. And the Damn. second time it's raining, thunderstorming, and I'm in the middle side of the highway mm-hmm. with another flat tire. And I thought, well, maybe this is a sign. <gasps> I'm not going to go to L.A. right now. And I really didn't have a plan to go out to L.A. I was just going to meet up with a friend or in, and he'd help me find a place. Really no plan for L.A. But mm-hmm. I thought, well, wow, New York, it's just a bus ride away. And I have several friends, one of them being Rory Scovel, who I was talking to. And he was like, I have a room just opened up in our loft, our shitty Bushwick loft, for two weeks. You can you can stay here for two weeks until you find a place. I was like, that sounds like a much simpler and more concrete plan. <laughs> so I just bought a bus ticket, and a few days later, took a couple bags up to New York. New York was a very magical, whimsical time in my life.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, you were also uh, you were part of the UCB at a time where. UCB was the place to be, but then you were also a key fixture at the other hip place to be, which was the Creek in the Cave. Ah, the old
1: Creek in the Cave. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was. Which is now, and, which is
0: now relocated to Austin, Texas and is.
1: Right. In a, uh, hopefully, maybe doing something, hopefully they're doing all right. But um, the, the, the Creek in the Cave of Long Island City is now a CrossFit gym. Mm. So people that go there now are actually getting better. Than compared to before Uh, they're actually improving their life somehow. Um, Yes, it's a cult. But, you know, what is it these days? Um, So I I knew I wanted to move to L.A. uh, Mm -hmm. from the beginning. I just knew I needed to do it the right way. And I did the right way, which was with a job to go to L.A. What so I was moved your job 2015? I was working for ridiculousness. Okay, it was not a writing job. It was just uh-huh. like a scour the internet for clips of guys falling on their nutsack.
0: But it's it was a, a job. It's a job. Did you get that job in part uh, coming out of uh, New Faces the the year before?
1: In part no, mostly from Sign Signs. Sign Signs got me more work than New Faces did.
0: Well, that is a bit of ridiculousness in itself, right? It's tell, oh,
1: it's social media.
0: Yeah, tell tell me how that tell me how that idea came about. Other than the fact that you get to say your name twice as a as a homonym.
1: Oh, uh, <laughs> I've always thought funny signs were hilarious, mm-hmm. and you know, you go on Reddit or you go online and they share ones that are unintentionally hilarious. Um, and I had just broken up with my girlfriend. And I thought I got some free time and a staples right up the street. I'll just like on quickly on Google Docs, make a fake sign, print it out for cheap, and then go walk around, go get a coffee and walk around. Take a picture of it, put it on my Instagram. That was it. Two times a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I would do it. And-
0: So you didn't even have to make hundreds of them. You just had to have the one that you photographed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's 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 efficient.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm not really trying to find uh you know the the uh the the one ring to throw into Mount Doom. That's yeah. not lost. Uh, you know, <laughs> I real. mean a
0: lesser a lesser comic uh <laughs> provocateur yeah. would have gone to like to Kinko's or FedEx or the UPS store or wherever you do it now if you still use paper. In the 21st century. And <laughs> right. you would have printed up a thousand of them and you would have posted them all across New York and just hoped that it would have caught oh, off.
1: Somebody got it. Yeah. Now with the now with social media, everyone could take a peek, and then you could share it. And then soon, uh, the New York Post was hitting me up, and Hollywood Reporter was hitting me up, and you know the local affiliates were hitting me up, and it was just really dumb and fun and exciting. I framed uh, the the page. I have a whole page in the New York Post <laughs> that I framed to give it to my parents because they're conservative and mm-hmm. they would oh, like that okay. newspaper, anyways. You know, <laughs> I was able to parlay that into like social media management work. And parlayed it into a you know job at ridiculousness, scouring the internet
0: for clips. So when MTV called, were you like, "Thank God somebody's finally catching on"? Didn't, they didn't call uh, Andy, my friend Andy. He
1: worked there. Okay, so he got me a phone interview, and then I and then I came in and I got a real interview, and I got the job. All right, so I decided to
0: stay. How How long were you with with them? Oh, eight months—just a season. Okay, and then you, and then you had a job. What was your job exactly? I have social media. What was your job exactly for Steve Harvey? I know. What, I know it didn't last. Uh, that long uh, Steve Harvey, but... I
1: was his personal social media manager. Which means you had are controlling his Twitter account. I'm controlling every account he had. <laughs> Millions of followers. And so as soon as I got those logins, I mean, like, of course, I look in the DMs and it's just hundreds of DMs, you know, of like, hey, Steve, can you follow me? Hey, Steve, I'm doing this. Hey, Steve, we love you. You know, hey, mm-hmm. Steve, pray for me. Like, oh, I mean, just hundreds. And when I I would have to post twice a week for him. Which meant that I had all his social his all his picture assets and all his private stuff. <laughs> um.
0: Could you, had could, to, you, could you control his beef with Cat Williams?
1: At this point, I we would probably have had a conversation about it with my my higher ups. Like, how mm-hmm. do we respond? Does he want to respond? Because of course Steve Harvey has to approve every single thing. Right. But like, so I would like, okay, there's there's he's doing a charity on Thursday. Okay. Uh we got a couple, I here's a couple drafts of what I want to tweet about it in a picture, and I show it to my boss, and she's like, okay. And then I do it. And then I would maybe go to some some events with him and take pictures and post about it. I'd also uh uh engage, I worked with a couple of other people and did the newsletter and shit and just like you know just any sort of like social thing that was going out under the Steve Harvey brand. I was a part of it, and I had all the logins to his stuff, and so my f- favorite time in my life was telling people at parties here in LA that I worked for Steve Harvey that I knew him personally and I was working for him and they go, okay, that's pretty cool. all right, whatever, you know? And then after we're done talking, I would follow them on Twitter from the official Steve Harvey (laughs) account.
0: That's a flex. That's a nice flex. flex. And then hopefully
1: by the end of the party, they came up to me and go, holy shit, you weren't
0: joking. (laughs) Yeah, that was a fun flex. If you had yeah. if if you had control of his account now, what would you what would you want to do with it now? God, would, you pitch, it to, would
1: you burn it to the ground? <laughs> it's just pictures of him and his wife and like him with like fancy clothes at the golf course. It's like it's for rich people shit. Mm-hmm. And then family feud kip clips, which are not owned by him.
0: Right. So there's yeah there's kind
1: of his his sons wanted him to do like they wanted him to do like style awards every week called the blue <laughs> award because they got he's got they got dressing is what his joke was <laughs> they got dressing so uh, he would give it like once a week and like in one of the green rooms we would just shoot it real quick but he got more mm-hmm. to that you know like I would if honestly I would have him uh do a man on the street shit. If I'm just saying what I want him to do, like I would right. want him to do man like Man on the Street.
0: Well that I is I mean great. Yeah, that is really kind of where where his talent yeah. shines is, like, is his yeah, is like his ripping with complete strangers.
1: Exactly. So like set up some like games or some shit or something where Steve Harvey on the street. Yeah. Um but I don't care anymore, Sean. So not, not a buddy
0: comedy with Latino Pope.
1: We have to cast Latino Pope. <laughs> That's you. You're a Latino Pope. Well, he does
0: sometimes use a wheelchair.
1: <laughs> the real Pope, Pope Francis, yeah. Pope Francisco.
0: But he doesn't have a nice style and mustache.
1: He doesn't. Thank you. I am much better looking than the Pope.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're 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 good looking enough to uh to to meet and uh and and have a wife and and be able to start a <laughs> yeah. family with her and go through this this uh this whole ordeal with her and Yeah
1: man from the beginning
0: Yeah I she says that, that she met you with, uh, she was working for Kyle Ayers or doing stuff with Kyle Ayers at the time
1: Yeah yeah you know Kyle Ayers does a bunch of shows he's always coming up with new Yeah new themed shows and stuff I think it was the one where he solicits porn scripts off a of Craigslist <laughs> and Aaron okay. and her friend Melissa um uh, and Aaron, just in general, would like play the soundtrack for it. Mm-hmm. I think the one we met at was like sitcom parodies. So like Fuller House, you know, mm-hmm. or like Fill Her House or some shit was the script. And then Aaron was playing the the theme song on trombone.
0: You were affiliated with this other guy that I remember meeting, Vincenzo, right?
1: Love Vincenzo. though, <laughs> Yeah, he's... uh God, he... um he was working at the Union Grounds in uh, Park Slope area for mm-hmm. like since I would live there. I mean, and he he just stopped working there, just finally moved from New York. But yeah, him and I would would make early shit together back when we all were enthusiastic and young.
0: Well, now that you're enthusiastic and old and in a wheelchair, how would you compare the physical rehab to the comedic rehab? over the last five and a half years.
1: Interesting question. I think they both have gone well. I think, unfortunately, with the physical rehab, um, suffering uh, a couple injuries uh, a year ago halted my rehab, and I'm finally just getting back to it. In fact, after this uh, interview, I'm going to go get up on my standing frame, which allows me to get into a standing position. Hmm. And get that circulation going in a different way, um, but unfortunately, no. I haven't. I haven't been going to my rehab gym. I haven't been working out with Aaron every week like we used to. I've gained weight. It's been trying with the physical aspect of it. The comedic aspect, I think, has been a little more ge- uh, gracious in the fact that. When I first started doing comedy in a wheelchair after I got paralyzed, like friends just started inviting me up to their shows that they wouldn't have invited me before. And but at at that point, I didn't have any new material. How soon did you want to how soon did you want to get back up, so to speak? I wanted to get back.
0: How how soon did you want to roll roll on stage?
1: I wanted to roll on stage, stage pretty quickly. I wanted to get back to it for sure. For sure but I didn't have the right, I didn't have the material. Mm-hmm. So I'd go up there and go, uh, you know, like roll up there and go, Hey guys, you know uh, you guys know when you're, uh, you're jumping up and down on a trampoline and uh, you know, you fall through that little crack. That's yeah. yeah. So it's just, just jokes that are have nothing to do with who I am now. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel it. The audience didn't feel it. I'm really appreciative of my friends that got me up on stage. It definitely got me in front of our audience again but i knew there was something missing and i knew exactly what it was was talking about my wheelchair and being paralyzed and so i slowly started to make jokes about it and slowly started to like talk about what eventually became my show the wheel world was like the stuff you don't hear on tv the stuff too that's too hot for television <laughs> not just like oh i can't go up steps oh but no i can't uh pee like i used to right well how do i pee now
0: there's other equipment uh, involved yeah there's yeah there's
1: other equipment involved yeah and like just what it like what what sensation i lost and what it's like not feeling my legs
0: well i mean how much things of, that how... are
1: typically funny i was trying to make jokes about and sometimes it was too much
0: is, but the is, ones that
1: worked continued to work and i i grew from there
0: isn't that part of like what you get taught in UCB though is to like the game is to find the unusual the unusual thing and that's what you focus on is
1: yeah the unusual thing yeah and then heightening and... that that's a I mean that's a good point yeah it's di- you know it's it's different obviously when it's personal right. and the unusual thing is now your body <laughs> but it you like you asked. Di- did you need this time to write the show? And I, I think I did because it allowed me to step back for a second and, and look at these things from maybe the way I used to look at things. Cause you know, I I'm just five years paralyzed. Now I can still remember what it was like being an able bodied human being walking around town. So I still have that perspective too. Right. So, you know, grief, continues and it'll be with me forever. The loss that I've had will be with me forever. No doubt. But I think just, uh, allowing myself to laugh first with my wife allowed me to, you know, make jokes in front of strangers about it.
0: And, and like you learned from Michael J. Fox, if you have gratitude, that's what keeps the hope alive. That's what keeps
1: the hope alive, brother. So, you hear that great quote from. So
0: the so the wheel world, you've just started doing it, right? Those those two shows yeah. were were the first full iterations of it, or
1: that's the first mini run. Yeah, it was the uh, those two middle weekends in January, and now I'm um, I'm editing the video, which I'm very excited about. It looks great, and I'm working with both Lauren and Rob to edit the video and edit the show to uh for the next stage. And I'm really excited about it. I'm really proud of the show I did. Aaron looks freaking amazing in it. The crowd loves her. Mm-hmm. And I think people really gravitate towards the show. I think it really speaks to people on many different levels. I had you know, it's mostly me and my me and Aaron's mm-hmm. friends that came out I'd say ninety nine percent, but the majority of the the compliments were saying it was so funny and also so vulnerable and personal. True, and that's they, what I wanted they,
0: to keep. That's why I wanted being, They weren't being Hollywood with you; they were being real.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I believe them because I I wrote it that way, I performed it that way, I I check in with the audience during the show to say, Hey, are we, are we all on board here? Cause you know, this is some personal stuff I'm talking about, but I couldn't have done the show without talking about those things. That's the show. That's the wheel world. And that's what the show I want to continue with. You know, that's, I can't lose that.
0: So six years ago, you're, you're able-bodied walking around LA, but single. And now you're in a wheelchair, but you're, you have this family, how, how has all of that changed what your goals and aspirations are? It changes everything.
1: And I, I actually have, I know exactly what you're talking about it. I think about it all the time that it's these two different lives I've had, um, I, me and Aaron refer to, to them as the alternate universe, mm. Because we met and started dating right before I got paralyzed. And so we could see the world where I, I, we did not go on that roof, but we kept dating and we kept when we fell in love and we continued to be together. There's that universe. And then there's this universe where we did go up to the roof and I did fall through it and I am paralyzed, but I was able to sue the building and the skylight company and from the settlement money, I bought a house. That's the other universe. That's universe B where I'm paralyzed, but I have enough money to buy a house. And that's wild. I wouldn't be able to do that in universe A at this point in my life.
0: Right. Um, where you have a house and you have a family, you can raise dogs and kids. and
1: Yeah it's universe b alternate universe b which is my universe so it's universe a <laughs> but yeah this this universe i'm in is uh, is is incredible it really is an incredible place to be because i'm alive i'm loved i feel creative and inspired and i'm about to have a child where i didn't think i could Physically, right. Have a child. And so even though I can't walk or use the lower half of my body, um, I, I don't know if I could ever, you know, trade this away. If someone to say, Jason, I can give you the ability to walk and to urinate and to come again, but, uh, we have to take away all your settlement money. And, uh, you know, you're going to have to start paying for this house yourself. I'd be like, oh, fuck. I have a, f- a kid coming. How,
0: how what, yeah. what, what's a family
1: need? Does a family need a father that can run and, and, and you know, and run up a hill with them? Or do they need a, 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 a secure, safe home in a family that protects them? Like, I don't know if I could. I would say, all right, I'll stay in the chair. We're going to make this work.
0: Well, and in the chair, you also uh, can provide so many great dad jokes. I got, I got a freaking
1: encyclopedia. <laughs> I'm in, waiting to crack open with this. I've been using them already, and Aaron's like, "Wait for the baby." I'm like,
0: "Okay." <laughs> well, Jason signs. I'm very uh, grateful and glad that you're part of this universe that I'm in, and uh, oh, and, then I, thanks, and then I got Tom. to see the wheel world. And it's uh, in its first go round. I'm I'm really excited to see you take this show literally on the road and uh, <laughs> see how far you can take it.
1: Yeah, thanks, man. I, I really appreciate you coming, Sean, and spreading the word and having me on this show here. Uh, your interview was really thoughtful, and um, you know I've I've talked about this a lot about being paralyzed a lot, but I appreciate someone who uh, is care cares and is precise with their questions and i really appreciate it well you deserve it jason thanks thanks dude and thanks for coming to the wheel world
0: this episode of the comics comic presents last things first was post-produced by alex brazel at showbiz studios the music was by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Gigglechick. If you enjoyed listening, please check out my Substack called Piphany at piffany.substack.com for transcripts, bonus commentary, and expert analysis about comedy, show business, and more. I'm your host, O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening.